We're going to take a look at that. And the word that we're going to use is the Greek word polis. And it means many. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 4, For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing, According to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. The word there, many, for as we have many members in one body, is our word that we're going to be studying here. And it's used several times in this passage. And there's also another passage in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 14 specifically. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact the body is not one member, but many. Now we'll look at the rest of the verses in that passage later on as we as we go but here in the in this particular one uh, of course our strategy whenever we're doing a word study is to first get to know the word that we are studying and the word here polis from vines and i just wrote down the vines definition for you put in your outline if you're online you can find the outlines under the post we did about tonight doesn't seem to be carrying over to our uh, videos but if you go back you'll see the post and you can download, look at page one and page two. We're on page one here right now. Vines says much, many, or great. It is used especially of number when its significance is many. The um, the reference book that I quote to you all the time. This is uh, this is what it looks like, and it's actually a whole volume of of things. The uh, particular page that we have on this one is is here and these all down in here, here, here and here and all over here and here and here and here, 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 here and there. That's all the references, all the times that it is used in the in the New Testament, which is, is quite a bit. Now, if you uh, were able to see this, they have a number here in the beginning, and that tells you the part of speech that it is, and the tense and the verb, and all that sort of stuff, all that kind of information, which uh, I'm not going to try and get out there. There's actually more on all the references for this than the actual definition of the word. But one of the things that he will throw out on this is that when used of size, degree, or intensity, it can mean much, mighty, great, full, all severe or hard. This particular word, looking at some other places in Scripture, now again, it's used 350 times. I did not even try to go through all of them. But I went through a couple of the ones that will give us some of the unique meanings of this. In Luke chapter 7 and verse 11, now it happened the day after that he went into a city called Nain and many of his disciples went with him in a large crowd. Now this word here, Again, it means much, many, and great. When it says here that now it happened the day after that he went to the city called Nain and many of his disciples went with him. We sometimes can read that 
and think that not all 12 of the disciples went, just many of them. But that would not mean what this word means. In order for this word to be used in this passage, what he is saying is that many of the disciples that followed him were not referring to the 12. We're referring to all the disciples that followed him, which there were hundreds of people who followed him. And of those, many of his disciples went with him and a large crowd. In Luke chapter 7, verse 47, Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Speaking of the sins of this, of the woman who came and asked for forgiveness. Remember that uh, the people were saying, well, if they only knew if he was a prophet, he would know what kind of a manner of woman was touching him. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, and this particular word is used, which means much, many, great, in Mark chapter 13, verse 26, then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Now here we see the, the uh, meaning go from number to something different. And again, the second definition we have, when used of size, degree, or intensity, it can mean much, mighty, great, full, all, severe, or hard. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory describing the power that he comes in using this particular word. So this word does not mean just a little bit, uh, not even uh, a dozen or so. It's, uh, it's talking about a lot. Matthew 7, verse 22, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And there we see that word used here for many. Many will say to me in that day, we're not looking at a small number of people that are going to be saying this. This has not just happened to a few. But there's just, a, what, four or five references? Four references for this particular word. Again, there's over 331 verses in which this is in. And sometimes this word is used multiple times in the verse. But one of the things that we will like to do whenever you're doing a word study is take some time to get to know the words that were not used. And again, this is something that you use your vines for. So if you pull out your vines and you look up the word many, you will find the first word in the list to be the word that we're looking at. But we're going to go over some of the others because there's a total of six. Now, the second word that is used here means more, greater. It is the comparative of polis. Pleon means more, Greater, or is the comparative of Paulus? Let me, I'll give you a verse here, then we'll go over it more. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Therefore I say to you, take no thought of your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat? So we're using a word that means more. It is greater than, it is more than, but we're doing it more as in comparison. It is more than meat, and the body than raiment. In John chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John. Here again, we're having a comparison. The number of disciples that Jesus baptized and the number of disciples that John baptized. And so this particular word is used when, the, when there is a comparison. Acts 2, and verse 40, And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Many other words. So he used words 
that were uh, different by comparison to the ones that he had used because he's not just repeating himself. In 1 Corinthians 10.5, But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Speaking of Israel. But with most of them, or with many of them, by comparison, there were those that he was pleased with and those that he was not pleased with. So this particular word, when it's used, there's a comparison going on. The third word, and I misspelled this in yours. I was looking at this and I, I spelled it one way in the Greek and I spelled it another way in the English. And so I was looking and says, which way did I spell it wrong? <laughs> so I had to look it up while I was uh, up here before service. Uh, yours is wrong. The L should be a K. Ilkanos. It is sufficient. A sufficient number. So this is used when a great number is used, but the greatness of the number is sufficient to meet the need that is there. In Matthew 28, verse 12, and when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large, they gave large money unto the soldiers. Well, they gave a large amount of money, and so a word used for many is, is used here, but it's one that says it was sufficient. They didn't just throw money, they had a, had a number that they put on it, and that number was sufficient for the soldiers. In Luke chapter 20 and verse 9, Then began he to speak to the people of this parable, A certain man planted a vineyard and let it forth to... Oh, I did this in the King James. Look at that. Then began, then began he to speak to the people in this parable, A certain man planted a vineyard and let it forth to husbandmen and went into a far country for a long time. This is the parable that he gives describing him going away to a far country and then coming back. And it says for a long time, but notice the word that is used. The length of time for which the master is gone is a length of time that is sufficient. It's not just an innumerable long time. The time that Jesus departed until the time that Jesus come back, this particular word that is used, Jesus uses it in the parable, is a word that means he has gone away for a sufficient time. Just a little twist on what we think about the time that he's gone. Acts chapter 18, verse 18. And Paul, after this, tarried there for a good while. Well, the time that he stayed there, it may have been a, a long while, but it was a sufficient amount of time to accomplish what he wanted to do there before he sailed off into the next place. The next word, the fourth one, is alsas. How much, how many, and how great. Now, I want you to take note of that definition because we're going to refer back to this here in just a little bit. How much, how many, and how great. It comes from the one that the, the root word here is the word, and we wrote it right then in there for you, which is us. Who, which, what, or that. So when it talks about how much, how many, or how great, its root word means who, which, what, or that. And I will have some significance for us here in a little bit. Matthew 14, verse 36 and uh, I believe you can get all that from vines. I don't think you need anything else to uh, to look in. But Matthew 14, verse 36, And begged him that they might only touch the hem of his garment, and as many as touched it were made perfectly well. And begged him that they might only touch the hem of his garment, and as many as touched it were made perfectly well. The particular reference that I, I uh, refer to and I brought over here for you. It says, used to denote size or space, time, abundance, number, measure, or degree, and importance. But in particular, this word 
has to do with the who's, the which, the what's, or the that. And what this means is we have a number here associated here, but the number is unique to the amount of people who came up and touched him. As many as touched him. So if more would have come, that number would have increased. In Matthew 18, 18, Verily I say unto you, Whosoever, and that word there, whosoever is our word, ye shall bind, oh, ye shall bind on earth. I did it again in the King James. Look at that. Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. We are using here for the whosoever, we are using a word that speaks about many. A word that talks about number. So when he says this, Verily I say unto you, Whatever you shall bind on earth. You could also put it this way. As much as. As much as you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. It can kind of just alter your understanding of that verse just a little bit. In Matthew chapter 21, verse 22, And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. Whatever things you ask in prayer. So again, the more that you ask, believing, the more that you receive. The number is going to be uh, determined by what it is that you do. In Mark chapter 5, verse 19, However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. And how he has had compassion on you. Now here it's talking about the, the great things, not just the amount, but also the greatness of each of the things that he did. Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And the next verse uses the same word and describes how he did that. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 10. For as many as are of the works of the law, are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. For as many as are of the works of the law. That number there is not predetermined what it is. It's as many as are of the works of the law. So again, that number can increase. It's how much, how many, and how great. Now I want you to keep that definition in mind because when we go on to the, to the fifth one, this all comes out of vines. Look at the definition for the next one. How much, how many, how great? Isn't it the same? Yeah, Vines uses exactly the same definition on both words. But the, the, both words, we look at it here and we see just one letter different. That's, uh, that's really all that it seems to be. In the Greek, it's actually two letters different. But in the English, we're just looking at one letter that is, that is different here. Because the H actually isn't in the Greek, it's in the breathing marks. How much, how many, how great? Again, my second reference here talks about what in matters pertaining to quantity. And the word there, pas, is the one who or what. A little bit more of a restrictive meaning than the has, which is who, which, what, or that. Now, it might sound complicated here in a little bit. Let's read over our references here. This is why, when you look over the definition, you also want to have some references to look over. See how it's used. We do this in the English. Whenever you uh, have a definition, then after the definition, they say, this is how it's used in a sentence. How many times are our eyes opened up? Oh, that's how it's... Okay, now I understand. We see how it's used in a sentence. See how it's used in a verse. 
Don't just, don't just look at the definition. Look at the definition and go to the verses. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 34, Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven and a few fish. So he wanted to know how many, he doesn't know how many. How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven and a few little fish. Matthew 6, 23, But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore that light is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? We've been talking about this verse in the Sunday morning series. We're looking at light. Look at the word that is used here. If therefore that light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? In Mark chapter 15, verse 4, And Pilate asked him again, saying, Do you answer nothing? See how many things they testify against you. And in Romans 11:24, but for if you were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these who are natural branches be grafted into the, to their own olive tree? All right, let's go back and take a look at these two words because they're very similar in appearance, and it seems to be very similar in the in the meaning. In the first one, hasos. They begged him that they would touch the hem of his garment and as many as touched it were made perfectly well. This is a who. This is a person. This is someone who did something. In Matthew 18, 18, Verily I say unto you, Whoever or whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. The first one was a who. This one is a... It's a what. Third verse, Matthew 21, verse 22, And whatever things you ask in prayer... Believing, you will receive. This is a, a what or even a which. Those particular things that you ask for in prayer, believing. In Mark chapter 5, verse 19, however, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. One of the things that the, the root word of this is when you are pointing at something, that's a that. If I'm holding something, it is a this. I have my notes on this iPad. It's not that iPad. I can look back over there and assume that Brother Keith has his iPad in here. And I could say that iPad, but this iPad is the one that I'm holding. And we can use this word for both of those, those kind of things. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion. Now go over to the second word. Verse... 34 of Matthew 15. And Jesus said to him, How many loaves do you have? And they said to him, Seven and a few little fish. In this particular thing, we have an, a limited number. On the other ones, there is no limit on it. Those things can continue to grow. This one, how many do you have? He wanted a specific number. He got a specific number. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you in, is darkness... How great is that darkness? The darkness that is in you is directly relevant to the amount of darkness you have let in. In Mark 15, verse 4, And Pilate asked him again, saying, Do you answer nothing? See how many things they testify against you. If they testified 10 things against them, if they testified 20 things against them, we have a known commodity there of what was, what was testified. They may be great in number, but we know how many there was. I'm not saying it was 10 or 20. They were apparently throwing all kinds of things out, which is why such a word is used. Romans 11:24. 24. 
For if you were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated tree, how much more will these who are natural branches be grafted into their own tree? So, if you guys were done this way, how much more, we're taking a comparison of this in particular to this. So they're very similar, very, very similar in meetings. It's really tough. You have to really spend a whole lot more time on it. I was going to try and even spend some more time on these particular words, but the, the references I have to go into next, take they eat up a lot of time. And I didn't quite have that much to, to put into it. But you could probably still dig into this a little bit more. But we got enough of uh, out of that to help us in what we're doing here as far as study. Because when we do a study and we look at the other words that were not used, the main thing we want to see is just the general meaning of it, so we know, well, they didn't, they didn't choose this word, they chose this one, to see what it is. I saved the best one here for last. It's also last on the list. This is the Greek word that means so great, so much, and so many. And you have a couple of very familiar verses out of this. In Matthew 8, and verse 10, when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. This word, in these first couple of verses we use, this this word is used to describe a noun. We're going to see where it's not at the end, but in these first couple of ones, it is used to describe a noun. And when it's used to describe a noun, it talks about how great that particular noun is or how much that particular one is. In this particular situation, I underlined the noun. And the noun, of course, is faith. I have not found such great faith I have not found such great, such faith that is so um, great or much. Now, Jesus doesn't think too highly of faith as far as being quantitative. He thinks of it as being powerful and as being great. And so that's where this word would take that meaning and why they translated it, such great faith. In Matthew 15, verse 33, then his disciples said to him, where could we get enough Bread in the wilderness. Now I put in parentheses there so much because the King James puts in there so much which helps you understand the, uh, the meaning of that word maybe a little better. Where could we get enough or so much bread in the wilderness to fill such a great multitude? The word is used twice. First to talk, describe the bread and secondly to describe the multitude. Where are we going to get enough? Where are we going to get such a great quantity of bread to satisfy this great quantity of multitude? We have to match the two of them up. In Luke fifteen twenty nine, so he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you, speaking of the prodigal son. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. So he's talking about all these years that he served his father. He's describing them as, as being all these many years, and he's using this particular word. Now the father's probably saying, Son, you haven't been alive nearly as long as I have, or worked as long as I have. That's how I left out of the story. In John chapter 12, verse 37, But although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him. Even despite the, the great quantity of signs that they had done, they did not believe in him. Now here we have one time, it's, it doesn't happen too often, but I copied over here for you one time when it is not paired with a noun. I should have uh, changed the tense on that. Not paired with a noun. Whenever it's, this word is not paired with a noun, it is indicating the quantity of something. This is a verse you are familiar with in Acts 5.8. And Peter answered her, Tell me whatever you, whether you sold the land for so much. 
Now we're not given the amount. He, and so we're just, he just uses this word to describe the fact that he said a certain amount. He didn't just say something general. He just said a certain amount. And that amount wasn't put in, but this word was put in. And she said yes for so much. Alright. So that gives us an idea of some of the words that were available to be used in this, but that Paul does not use in Romans or in Corinthians. He uses the same word both times. And so, again, Greek is very descriptive. It is more descriptive than, than English. It's more descriptive than any language I know. I don't know them all, so that's not saying a whole lot. But of any of the languages I know, it is the most descriptive language. And it does a great job of being able to paint these things for us. So let's go on back here to our passage in Romans chapter 12, verse 4. Now, in all the, all the reading I was doing on this particular word, I came upon one note on this, that not only does Paulus point out that there are many members, it also presents the idea that, that there is a great variety among the members. The use of this word not only points out that there are many members, it also points that there is great variety among the members. As we look at the context of what Paul is describing, certainly we can understand that that would be true. So let's begin to to look at this. In, um, For as we have many members in one body, but all members do not have the same function. We have many members in one body. So we have many people. There's a great abundance of the numbers and there's a great variety in the abundance. They're not all the same. And he even uses that word same. But all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So we, the body of Christ, we're many members. We're being, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. We don't lose our individuality, but we are members of one body. So the oneness, the sameness is in the body. But in the members, there is individuality and there is, there is variety. That's God's, God's way. That's the way that God set it up. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us. If the gifts differ according to the grace given us, then God intended for the grace to be different and for the gifts to be different, didn't he? Let us use them if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministry. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Now in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, For as the body is one, and as many members, it has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For as the body is one, again, the singularity of the body, and has many members, the same word, many in number and many in variety. But all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, all have been made to drink, into one spirit and in fact the body is not one member but 
many. So again, we're looking at the, the variety that is there. This is the, the thing that he wants us to emphasize here. There is variety. There is not just sameness that is here, but it, it changes. There are, there are as many people. There are as many numbers. Now, well, before I get into that, what Paul is teaching is that, uh, say, say Vanessa has certain gift, giftings that are different from mine. But we're part of the same body. But our gifts differ. Miss Gladys would have, have different gifts than I would have. Mr. Mr. Keith, Miss Ethel, they would have different gifts. We would all have different, different things. But we would all be part of the same body. Now this is important. Because what it's showing you, Paul is, is depicting this in two different passages. In Romans and in Corinthians, he is emphasizing the exact same principle. Many gifts... Many members, one body. And then sometimes he even begins to break down and, and go into all that. In your Corinthians passage, he's going to get into a lot more with that. In fact, I'm going to read this to you from the Message Bible. The Message Bible did a, did a nice thing. Be careful with that. We told you before, be careful with some of these. The Message Bibles, Amplified Bibles, uh, anything that tries to add, add extra words to try and get clarity. Get clarity of what the passage means first. And then go after the other ones and see if they, they line up. If they do, then great. They're going to help you out with some things. If they don't, they would steer you in the wrong direction. But take a look at what the message did with this particular passage. We're going to read verses 12 through 27. You can easily, uh, easily enough see how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your own body. Your body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells. But no matter how many parts you can name, you're still one body. It's exactly the same with Christ by means of his one spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial, partial and piecemeal lives. We each used to independently call our own shots. But then we entered into a large and integrated life in which he has the final say in everything. This is what we proclaimed in the word and action when we were baptized. Each of us is now a part of his resurrection body, refreshed and sustained at one fountain, his spirit, where we all come to drink the old labels we once used to identify ourselves. Labels like Jew or Greek, slave or free are no longer useful. We need something larger, more comprehensive. I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant, not less. A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. If foot said, I'm not elegant like hand, embellished with rings, I guess I don't belong to this body, would that make it so? If ear said, I am not beautiful like I, limpid and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head, would you want to remove it from the body? If the body was all eye, how could it hear? If all ear, how could it smell? As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. But I also wanted you to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. For no matter how significant you are, it is only because of what you are a part of. I like how he phrased that. For no matter how significant you are, it is only because of what you are a part of. Your significance does not come from the great giftings, from the great grace, from the prominent part that you have on the body. It comes because you are part of the body. Some people, I think, have lost sight of that. And they think that their own greatness 
is great in itself. An enormous eye or gigantic hand wouldn't be a body but a monster. <laughs> That's just a completely different way of putting it, but it gives you the idea. What we have is one body with many parts, each its proper size and in its proper place. No part is important on its own. Can you imagine eye telling hand, get lost, they don't need you? Or head telling foot, you're fired, your job has been phased out. As a matter of fact, in practice, it works the other way. The lower the part, the more basic and therefore necessary. You can live without an eye, for instance, but you can, but not without a stomach. When it's part of your own body you are concerned with, it makes no difference whether the part is visible or clothed, higher or lower. You give it dignity and honor just as it is without comparison. If anything, you have more concern for the lower parts than the higher. If you had to choose, wouldn't you prefer good digestion to full-bodied hair? <laughs> The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mentioned and the parts we don't. The parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into exuberance. You are Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part of that body does your part mean anything. Read that last part again. Only as you accept your part of that body does your part mean anything. Now, Satan's kingdom has always worked to do certain things. And, and of course, there's the kill, steal, and destroy, and so forth. But um, we're focused on another aspect of this right now. And that is, first off, it perverts the truth. It silences opposition and it conforms to sameness. You're going to see this constantly in the uh, in the history that we have in the Bible. That that what would happen was there would be the uh, the beauty of the gospel, the beauty of the of uh, in the Old Testament the temple and the uh, and the law and the things that they would do to uh, signify what Jesus Christ was going to be doing in the in the coming time. But then we would see pressure would come to accept certain ways and to go in certain directions. And Satan's kingdom is never about options. When Daniel was taken prisoner and he was over in Babylon, the devil's kingdom decided to let's make everybody bow down to this gold and whoever doesn't dies. And we see pressure like that come up in other times in, in history. And once you begin to, to see that evil began to work its way into Israel that evil began to pressure the things of God to conform and to be pushed out. And that's not God's way. What I want you to see from this passage and from other ones, that Satan's way is sameness. God's way is diversity. God's way is many members with gifts differing. But the devil's way is not. Now look at some of the most oppressive things that have happened in history outside of the Bible. Every single time that communism or socialism has been depicted in a government, every single time, without, there is not a single time in the history of mankind that socialism and communism has been used, that it has not been used to promote sameness, conformity, 
and to, uh, to wipe out the gospel. Every single time. Under Germany, when you saw it, they wiped out, they were to wipe out the Jews. In Russia, when they began to, to do this, they were wiping out more Jews than the Germans did. And Christians. In China, when they were pushing this and still do to this, to this day, Christians were being wiped out and they were being persecuted. And country after country, you can find when they, when they succumb to this, either socialism or communism, they always get people to act the same. Everyone will have the same thing. And But God's way isn't that way. God says, no, you're not all going to have the same. If you've been more faithful, you're going to have more. If you've been less faithful, you're going to have less. Now, what it seem like, and, and this is what people try and promote, is that God's way is that everybody have uh, sufficient, everybody have enough, and, and God says, no, that's not the way it is at all. If you don't work, you don't eat. Is one of the things that he puts in there. But uh, even when Jesus gives the parable, and he says, why are you giving the extra city to the one who has ten? He's already got ten. To whom who has more, more will be given. Is God's way. Apparently that's not Satan's way. But when you look at how socialism and communism are enacted, you have a very few who take on most. And the rest is divided the same amongst and it's a poverty level. But the idea is to conform, is to get people to conform. Not only in socialism and communism do you see this, but you also see it in things we've always talked about here, uh, the, the whole thing with climate change. It's about sameness. How many times have you heard this phrase whenever they talk about climate change? That uh, environmentalists all agree. Why? Sameness. And if you don't conform, funding goes. And there's pressure on to, um, uh, to they'll, they'll get you out of the industry. They'll, they'll move you out. Back in the, the old days, whenever somebody came up with a new scientific theory, something that said that the, the earth is not the center of the universe, but the sun is the center of our solar system. And they came under great attack on that. They had to conform. Books were burned because they came against things they weren't the same. The idea was that everybody needed to be the same. Whenever you see sameness, it is of Satan. It's not of God. God doesn't promote sameness. Well, surely there's just one doctrine and we should just uh, adopt to the one doctrine. Yeah, well, who's going to establish that? You see, doctrine in Revelation is progressive. The more I walk with God, the more I understand. But the more I understand, the more I realize I can't push this on someone. They have to walk into a place where they understand it. Simply, a, a great case of this is when Jesus was uh, with the disciples. And he says, who do you say that I am? And they said, uh, you are the, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And from that point, he, he said, of course, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And from that point, it said, he began to teach them differently because they had different revelation. It's not that he, what he was teaching them before wasn't any good. It's just that now that you're at this level, I can now teach you this. And when you get to the next level, I can teach you this. And when you begin to progress over here, I can teach you this. But if you don't get there, I can't teach it to you. Flesh and blood is not going to reveal this to you. My Father in Heaven is going to reveal this to you. When you see the news media, and I've seen so many times when they've, they've put this together, and it, it happens on a weekly basis. I hear reports 
about this because I have somebody who actually monitors this type of stuff and lets me know whenever it goes on. And it's, it, it's amazing. One, two, three times a week. And I will hear 20 news agencies all using exactly the same phraseologies. Exactly. And you go through all the, all the main ones. You go into the, the, the written page and those things will be written. Exactly. I mean, it's, and it's phraseology you don't use all the time. But every single one of them has it. How does they, how do they all become the same? See, God doesn't promote sameness. Paul was different from Peter. Peter was different from John. John was different from James. This is all right. God's okay with it. He wants there to be differences. When he picked his 12 disciples, he picked some very different people, which he was all right with. Whenever you see pressure to conform, it's not of God. Whenever you see pressure for sameness, it's not of God. This is, this is, this is the wrong kind of stuff. And what Paul is teaching here in Romans and in Corinthians is here's the beauty of the body. We're all one. But each one of us is different. Each one of us is a member of the body, but our gifts differ. Our functions are different. And he's trying to show us the beauty of this. Now, here's a, here's a problem we're going to get in, in with churches. We begin to adopt a mentality outside of God towards the body. And so we begin to look at how so-and-so brings their gifting into the church. And what I decide is they need to conform and be more like this. I want the ear to be more like an eye. I want the foot to be more like a hand. And we try and take that foot and it has certain functions. No, no, no. we got to make you look like a hand. So instead of putting you in a shoe, we're going to put a glove on you. We're going to put some rings on you. And, and that's going to take away from the functionality of the foot. It can't function the same way as a, as a hand can. A, can. a hand can have a ring on it and not be a problem. But a foot could be a, that could be a hindrance on some things. But see, there's, there's, comp, there, there's this pressure to conform. I don't like the way so-and-so is. I think they ought to change. I think they need to adopt. And what it is is that instead of being one body under one head, We've each decided I need to be a little bit more of a head in this and I need to decide what so-and-so needs to be. You see, that's not God. God allows us to be members individually. And for God, the beauty of the body is the individuality of each person. But how many times have you listened to somebody, seen somebody operate in the body of Christ and just had this little voice come up on the inside of you and says, they ought not to do it that way. And you begin to think, well, they shouldn't ought to do it that way. And it hinders you and what you receive. That's how the enemy gets in. And it begins to conform. Don't be given in to, this, to the enemy. Don't be trying to conform, brother, sister, so-and-so, to do everything the way that you want. You know what? They're in a good different growth pattern than you are. They might be ahead of you in some spots and they might be behind you in others. And God's okay with that. 
Let them grow. Accept what they got. And see the beauty in the diversity. God doesn't like sameness. He likes diversity. Just look around at the human race and what He made. Boy, I'll tell you what, what a diverse group of people. How in the world is God able in, in the billions and billions of people, I get amazed at this all the time. You can see somebody from the back of the head. Oh, that's so-and-so. How could you do that? From the back of the head. I mean, have you ever had that happen with somebody? You can just, oh yeah, that's so-and-so. Yeah. How is it that each person is that unique that we can, we can spot people that, that, that easily? If you hear somebody's voice in a crowd, oh, that sounds like so-and-so. How is it that one voice out of thousands that are in the area, you can pick out that one voice? How is that possible? How can God make out of all these voices each one just a little bit different? If you watch a cartoon and you hear of, oh, I know that voice. I don't have a voice. I don't have a picture yet. Oh, but I, I know that voice. Oh, who is it? I can, and we begin to, to rattle out of our mind. Oh yeah, I know who it is. It's the person who does the voice for this. It's the person who's in this show. And we begin to, to piece it. How is it that we're able to do that? How is it that our God, who is so great, can make billions and billions of people and each voice just be a little bit different? Each face just a little different. The walk just a little bit different. And he's not out to try and conform our walk, how we step. My, my daughter's always talking about little Chenzo, who is the lightest thing in the world. I mean, the guy's a feather. I am not one to talk. I was probably as much of a feather as he was growing up. <laughs> I told you the story. My mom said if the door would open uh, with, with the wind, it'd throw you out. Sure enough, she was prophetic. It did. I was going out to school one day, opened the door. The wind caught the door. I still had a hold of the handle and I went flying. That's how light I was. Just the, the, the door be able to, to blow me a couple of feet down the, down the thing. He is just light as a, as anything. But when you hear him walking, she says he has the heaviest footsteps that you ever heard. Just thump, 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 thump. <laughs> how does a little tiny thing like that have thump, 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 thump? And somebody else who's, uh, who's much heavier, lighter on their, on their feet. How can all these differences be there? Because our God loves variety. He loves differences. He's not out to try and get everyone to conform to be a certain way. Because how he made me is not the pinnacle. How he made you is not the best it can be. He just made everybody to be different. If you go out there and you look at all the birds that are out there, oh, what variety in those birds. That's why you have bird watchers and whole books on birds so you can identify them. And these guys that are good at it, I'm not a bird watcher. Uh, I enjoy seeing a, a bird in all the colors. But they can spot one. Oh yeah, that's the spotted, speckled, whatever, whatever it might be. And they got some kind of name for it. And they've come up with all these different names for these, these things. But, uh, oh yeah, well the difference between that is just the colors that's on the neck. They're very, very slimber. How does God do that? How does He come up with all these things? Just in the great variety and all the different animals and how each one works. And you look at some of them, you say, God, why did you do that? <laughs> he likes variety. We're not here to conform and to be like one another. Each of us has gifts that are different. 
If we do something that's obnoxious and it's rude and it's offensive, yeah, we need to work some of those things out. But there are some things that are just me. There are some things that are just you. The enemy wants to get you to be bothered by them and and get everyone to conform. But when you see this word many being used in here, it is many in number and many in variety. And that's how God made the body. Do you know, from what I am told, that you can actually identify a person from their ear? That an ear print is almost as good as a fingerprint, except they don't take them. We all know that there are retina scanners. And if you go up, put your eye up to the thing, and it scans your retina, it's, oh, this is you. Because nobody else is nobody else is that one. Your retina is unique to you. Your fingerprint is unique to you. And apparently your ear is also unique to you. So many things are unique. Your DNA. No one else has the same DNA. So many things in our body are unique to us. Only we've got them we look at the body of Christ don't give in the pressure that Satan has to try and get us to conform to try and get us all to be the same God doesn't want us to be the same he wants us to be unique he wants us to be different let me read to you Romans chapter 12 verse 4 from the message in this way we are like the various parts of the human body Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body. But as a chopped off finger or a cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and we will be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something that we aren't. So each person has gifts and each person has graces to help those gifts along. What you want to do is to stand back and let those gifts have their place in the body. If we get our nose who thinks that they can hear better than the ear, see better than the eye, taste better than the tongue. That nose is going to be in the way of the body developing and from that body functioning the way that it should. Now, we all, we all have unique gifts. we got to make sure that we, we function in that. When we go out there and we find a somebody to do some work in our house or a particular project we have, don't we love it when we find somebody who has a specialty? They specialize in bathrooms. They specialize in whatever it might be that we need. And they just know that so well that we can bring them in and listen to them. But what if we brought somebody in and they are an expert at kitchens, but we tell them how to do their job? I'm not taking advantage of all their expertise. 
taking the little expertise that I have and I am limiting that person by what I know. We can't do that. Not in the body of Christ. If I have somebody who is gifted in a particular area in the body, I need to glean all that I can from them. They may not do everything perfectly, but you see, I can get past all that and see the beauty that God has in the diversity. Satan doesn't like the beauty of diversity. He tries to get into conformity. He tries to get into sameness to make everyone the same. Period of history, I despise. World War I and World War II, it's hard for me to, to read parts of that. Because in Germany, so much was on sameness. Everyone has the same. Everyone does the same. Everyone thinks the same. And if you think differently, they didn't think too, too much about taking you out and shooting you. Just ending you right there. Russia did the same thing. To me, it was dark. It was much of Satan taking over these countries. And if you wonder how in the world they were able to mass kill so many people or just take children and just end their lives. It's because Satan had taken hold of them. But we're here to be diverse. And we see our country goes down a, a direction. And if one person wants to be for this candidate, one person wants to be for this candidate, well, we can't just be satisfied with that. I have to shut you up about your candidate. See, because that's what the enemy does. It's all about sameness. But that's not God. Make sure that that part of the enemy doesn't work its way into you. Enjoy the graces that God has put in the body. Glean all that you can from them. Because for God, that's its beauty. Father, we thank you for the diversity of your body. I thank you that you made me the way that you did. Made each person in this body here the way that you did. We're unique. We're gifted. We have a place in the body. And just as we want a place for ourselves, we need to make room for a place for others. I thank you, Father, for the great diversity in the body of Christ. And for whatever the reason that Satan hates it so much, it sure must be powerful. So we thank you for it. And I pray, Father, that you help us gain a greater appreciation for the diversity that we are a part of. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.